Hello, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. My guest today is back. It's Margaret Byfield, and we are going to celebrate, I guess, uh, round one, as she calls it. It's uh, The battle is won. Unfortunately, I think the war still goes on, so we must remain vigilant. And she's going to talk about to us about what she thinks is coming down the pike and what we should look out for, and also what are some actions we can take uh, to ensure that they do not succeed in just rebranding, renaming, and marching forward with this attempt at a land grab. So, of course, I'm talking about the the NACs, NACs, natural asset companies. The and the SEC did withdraw the proposed rule, so this I do think this is a small win, um, and I. For me personally, the way I feel about it is that we should look at this as that we can have an impact. So we we do need to take action. We need to stay informed and we need to be involved. So uh, for me, that's the silver lining and the big message, the big takeaway. Uh, so with, without any more rambling from me, let's bring on Mike. Margaret, how are hey, you? Courtney. I'm good. How are you? It's nice to be talking on a good day. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. Thank you so much for taking the time to come back. And uh, yeah, this I do think this is a small victory. So uh, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged mostly just to see that there is something that can be done because I think so many people feel very apathetic and defeated. And this is proof that we can make a difference. And yeah, so I, I would love to learn from you. What are your thoughts about because unfortunately, th this is just a battle. And I think there's a much bigger game plan. I don't see them resting. So where do you think that this is going to go next and what should we look out for and what, what is it that we can do to stop it? Well, first off, I just want to give a shout out to everybody in your audience that responded. I think that what this really showed is we can marshal the forces for liberty and um, it exploded. I mean, we've we've been in these kind of battles before, and I've always felt like we had to be so strategic because we had very few weapons. Right. And um, but what was so great about this one is that it touched so many people, and they just came out in in very high places and opposed this in a very public way, and using their power and authority. And I mean, people on the hill to uh, people in the states that really stepped up to fight this. So it was just really. I don't know. The, the forces were marshaled for liberty on this one in a way that I've never seen before. And, and so it was so gratifying to see that all come together and then result in this big victory. I mean, what people need to understand is we just beat Wall Street and the Biden administration at the same time. So, you know, that's huge. It is huge. And so, um, you know, they, as you remember, they intended to do this very quietly. No yes. announcement when they came out with the NAC rule. 45 days, they were going to make a decision. And we got the first delay. Then, then we were able to build more forces behind this and get them aware. We got the second delay and the reopened comments. And then that allowed us to even get more pieces in place to really push back on this. And um, ultimately, I think it was a combination of things. I think it was a combination of the state stepping up. So led by Utah Treasurer Mar Marla Oaks, who was the first state leader to step into this battle. And he really contacted his people and his colleagues. And he got the, gov um, the attorney general's letter on board, which resulted in a very, very key letter. Yeah. Uh, that signaled that the states were ready to sue on this, which I think was phenomenal. And then another key element was, um, I think we talked about this before, how the Financial Services Committee in the House 
really stood down. They decided not to take a position on this and not to inquire on this. And they have oversight over SEC. And mm-hmm. so they stood down. Well, while they stood down, uh, Chairman Bruce Westerman and his committee, the House Natural Resources Committee, they stood up. And last week, they initiated the probe into the SEC rule. And it was a very bold move on their part because um, it's not their direct oversight role is not over the SEC. It's over federal lands. And so they made the connection. But I mean, they could they had they could have they could have said, well, there's nothing we can do. They didn't do that. They stepped right into this fight and initiated that probe. So uh, what you have to understand about uh, a committee like that, they have oversight and they have subpoena power. So this meant the SEC was not going to be able to stay underground and just get this passed through. So it was just the marshalling of so many forces that came together there at the end that I think finally the New York Stock Exchange was having great regrets in getting involved. And uh, their complicity, their, their conflict of interest was revealed because they have a board seat in IED. Yeah. So um, I think that they made the smart move, which was to withdraw the application, which meant the SEC didn't have to rule against them. So it it kind of saved the SEC in this battle too, which is also why we know this is going to come back at some point uh, or not. Uh, but I think right now they're going to have to regroup and figure out how to get around what is the opposition that's already built out there against it. So now we pivot. Now we ha- really have the next battle, uh, yeah. which is, and I think we talked about this, that in tandem with the NAC rule, the White House was also has also has a national strategy to create what's known as natural capital accounts. Yes, which are yeah, which are se- essentially doing the same thing, taking these ecosystem services and natural processes, but instead of make putting them into a private investment, what the federal government do is doing is putting them onto the federal balance sheet to increase the collateral, uh, potentially increasing a, a new or creating a new way to tax the American people, either on land value by inflating that land value or by direct taxes like a biodiversity credit. I mean, there's so many ways that this can can be extrapolated to really harm the American people. So that's our next battlefront. And, um, you know, right now I would tell your audience, stay tuned, (laughs) keep your powder dry, take a victory lap. (laughs) <laughs> and then, and uh, enjoy the victory. And we, we're getting back to work. We're already working on that next element. So, um, and we have been for some time. So That's we will be keeping great. you guys apprised. Yeah, please. Uh, definitely. And uh, uh, before we get into what people can do, um, I, I'm guessing that is attached also to the White House adopted their version of the UN's SEA ecosystem accounting, yes, right? The National yeah. Strategy to Develop Statistics for Environmental Economic Decisions, and that was last yeah. year, twenty January twenty three. So I'm I'm guessing that that's tied in, and that I don't know if that can be stopped because that's pretty. Well, that yeah, that is yeah. the document that yeah, that's right there. You've got it. That's the document okay. that sets up the creation of these natural capital accounts on the federal yeah. balance sheet. So this is for any of your audience that really wants to dive in what this is all about. This is the document, the one you're showing right there. You can start going through that. Um, and it that's the one that uses the UN accounting system for ecosystem services to backstop it. So right. um, those are the two key things that are connected. And of course, that UN accounting system is also what the NACs were using to backstop yeah. them. 
So we still need to to really dismantle the usage of that in the United States. It is not uh, it does not fit with our economic system. In fact, it will destroy our economic system if we utilize it. So that's that's very important that people understand. We've got to get that stopped and purged out of um, the federal decision making. But what they're doing in this national national strategy is this strategy is not just a White House strategy. They are um, they have directed 27 federal agencies to start utilizing this process and gathering the information and putting it on their balance sheets. So it's getting entrenched, in other words. That's where this is headed. And um, so we're going to have to start digging that out. I guess one of the ways to look at the battle is and is um, you know our fight against the New York Stock Exchange and the and IEG. I look at more of an airstrike you know, we were able to come in, marshal some phenomenal forces and stop it. Uh, the natural capital accounting, this White House strategy, I look more as the round warfare. This is, we're in the trenches and we're going to have to dig out, you know, piece by piece on this one. So um, that's just kind of in putting it, that's how I view it, you know, sure. where we are in the battle. But um, so it's going to take a little different strategy, but but uh, it's still what I want to tell people is do not give up on this country and do not give up on the people. You know, mm -hmm. this is the land of liberty mm -hmm. and we still are and we can still fight for this and we can still win. Yeah, absolutely. I'm into that. So what are some things that people can do to get involved? Like what are some of the strategies that would push back on like this accounting system? You said it was 20 diff 27 different agencies that are now adopting this natural uh, capital accounting or? Yeah. yeah, yeah, the federal agencies. So I think the battleground really is at the state level. So okay. remember that everything that the federal government does, all these policies have to be implemented locally. Doesn't matter mm -hmm. what they are. The right. implementation point is always local. So you stop it locally. Yeah. If you can't chop the head off at the top, you stop it locally. And so that comes down to each local community in each state putting in protections so that these things don't get entrenched in their state. And that's where people have a lot more power to fight. So um, I know there's legislation that has mm -hmm. been advanced. I think it's, it's first advanced in Tennessee that would stop this concept of NACs, which we still need to focus on and, and, and put in at the state level that these types of investment vehicles cannot be utilized in the state or apply to land in the state. And, and, um, and also the other part of this is that UN accounting system. But, but now the people at the local level, they need to be looking at the devices, the tools they use to get these entrenched. Number one, it's look at everything that encumbers the, fed, the private property. So any federal program, conservation federal program, that creates that federal nexus. So it's your climate smart programs. It's your conservation easements in perpetuity. All of these tools are the ones that, um, that they are utilizing that then this ecosystem accounting system is going to be used on to monitor, to assess, to determine if the ecosystem values are going up or down on the land. And with that federal nexus on the private property, they're going to have a, a, a measure of control over that private property. So that's really where you need to look. And, you know, to give you an example, there's uh, a state right now that they're in session and a group has come before them 
forum to get matching grants for about five different conservation easements. And, and today they were getting ready to approve those until um, I think they're stepping back a little bit and are asking for more information. Those are the kind of things that we need to have happen at the state level. If, um, if the states start putting, stop putting money into those things, it's going to stop these products, uh, these, these control mechanisms from being attached to private land in your state, in your community. And these things all, also happen at the community level where they'll, they'll go to a city council or a county commission and ask for matching funds or a soil and water conservation district and ask for matching funds for these projects. So there's a lot of places at the local level that you just need to be, in, be tuned into. And when you're reading your local paper and you hear about this great conservation effort to protect a beautiful area of your, of your um region and it's maybe it would help expand a park or maybe it would help uh, produce better habitat for wildlife whatever it is when you start hearing these conservation buzzwords your antennas need to go up and that's where you start need you need to start digging into them what are the connections what federal money is in what environmental groups are behind it and start putting those things together and then you start figuring out how to stop it. And we have a lot of resources. Like we have a great guide on our website called Conservation Easements or Servitude. And it's just 13 key points that landowners need to know about conservation easements. It's fantastic for people to get their arms around what the conservation easement really does. So we've got stuff like that on our website to help people at the local level. So, you know, just uh, stay vigilant locally and uh, reach out to us if we can help you in any way to help fight these ground wars. Wonderful. So uh, I'm thinking in terms of buzzwords for people to be on alert. So obviously conservation seems to be a really big one. Are are there some others that you would recommend people keep uh, their antenna? Yeah. Um, Remember that the 30 by 30 agenda, the agenda to permanently protect 30% of our land and ocean in America. Remember that that has been renamed by the Biden administration to America the Beautiful. So if you see that Department of Interior is um, extending grant funds or giving this very generous grant to the city or the county to help uh, them implement America the Beautiful, Mm. I know the the name sounds great, but uh, dig into that one. Right. Okay. So America, the beautiful conservation. Um, I, I saw a couple of places, uh, transform. That's always a Marxist buzzword. Yeah. So yeah, okay, that was one. Um, of yeah. Environmental justice. Okay. Uh, you know, all of the same kind of diversity, yeah. those, those words in it. Um, sustainability is a huge yeah. one. That's another one that's real big. Yes. Um, yeah, this is a okay. great article. This is a great article. Yeah. See, hashtag America the Beautiful. Go USA. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I recently, and biodiversity, I recently learned that yes. they had a biodiversity treaty that did not oh, get yeah. passed through, um, but I didn't even know about it. So well, are they- it was very close. It was on the, it was on the Senate floor ready to be voted on. Um, I think wow. it was Pelosi who actually introduced it in the House side. That makes but, sense. Um, but it was on the Senate floor ready for a vote when uh, 
Senator Kay Bailey Hutchinson from ten, from Texas at the time, somebody had, was able to get to her the maps that of, of where they would be lo- locking up all the land that right. came out of that treaty. And it had basically America locked down. That was their ultimate agenda. Right. And she got a hold of those maps. And so she went to the House floor and, and showed them. And so then that treaty was um, voted out. So that treaty is something that many other nations have signed on to and they follow. Fortunately, the U.S. did not do that. And that has saved our bacon for 30 by 30 because 30 by 30 would have long been um, already implemented in America if that treaty had had been uh, agreed to by the U.S. Wow. That's that's really interesting that Pelosi uh, kind of inadvertently stopped it. No, Pelosi didn't stop it. Oh, okay. Pelosi was was the one who was pushing. I thought she it. brought it forth. Yeah, yeah. then yeah, you said was... she, showed, she brought the maps to people. No, Senator Kay Bailey Hutchinson oh, from Texas okay. did okay. that. Yeah, the senator yeah, stopped that. Yeah, I I think I confused you. Pelosi, I just mentioned her name because even as she was just a new congressman, she was pushing for that. Well, she biodiversity put... treaty. She brought the the bill at the uh, Earth Summit, right, in 1992 yeah. that was part of this agenda. Yeah, exactly. It was back in 1992. So. Yeah, same thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember what that bill was called, but it was it was part of this 30 by 30 plan. I, I don't know that they called it that back then, but it was, oh, yeah, expressing the need for federal government to establish national biodiversity strategy for protecting biodiversity for current and future generations. Yeah. So that yeah, that one was in uh, 2021. That was recent. So, yeah. yeah, that was the recent one. So, yeah. Okay. So um, my other question, this is kind of, I am still going to be speaking for the Agricultural Committee. They postponed it. It was supposed to be yesterday, but because of the weather, uh, it was postponed. So I am still going to speak to them to, uh, you know, because I, I think, as you said, we should definitely fight on the local level. So what are some of the ways that now the NAC has been taken off the table for a little bit, um, are there still uh, threats to the farmers under this uh, natural account capital accounting? Yes, all those conservation programs. So the farmers mm-hmm. where they are enrolling in conservation reserve program or the, the, um, the USDA uh, offers um, conservation easements through the wetland reserve program and also mm-hmm. through an agriculture easement program. And so those are often pieces that uh, landowners will, will get involved in. So I think, you know, for your members, here's the key thing. I, if you yeah. look at the bigger battle here, this yeah. is really about the federal government trying to take away as much independence from the American people and the states as they possibly can. It's all about control. And they're yeah. doing it through these conservation programs. So what I think really the key message to the people you're talking to is the more federal control you give them by taking federal dollars for these programs, the less power the people have. And we're at a point right now where when you put these conservation programs into an area, so let's say you have a county and, um, and I know counties that have, I know one that is 97% federally owned. They have no budget. They have no tax base. So every dollar that they have for their schools, their hospitals, and emergency services comes from a grant from the federal government. They have no independence. 
And so when you take a community that is so dependent, has so much of its land either encumbered through these conservation programs, which remember the conservation programs, it's not just about the federal nexus, but it also devalues the land. Sure. It devalues the tax base and it, and it reduces the amount of production from the land. So the local economy suffers. Sure. That's what the local economy needs to, to be robust and, and be independent. So the more of these programs that come into a community, the more dependent that local economy is going to be on the state for funding and the federal government for funding just to pay for basic services, schools, hospitals, roads, emergency services, utilities. So that is why these, um, the state's taking all these federal dollars and the local communities taking all these federal dollars, that's ultimately what they are doing is they're destroying their local economy permanently and taking away their independence. So that to me is kind of the big overall message, you know, where I think the states need to back up and start saying no to these federal dollars. They do. Um, Absolutely. They do. They do. Restore the 10th amendment. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I, I definitely agree with that. Um, this is, a, I, I just, I can't imagine that it's not connected, but I don't know exactly how uh, they, you know, they seem to want to create an AI world society and put us all into a, a virtual reality and put us on, uh, you know, carbon credits, social credit, UBI, digital currency system. Uh, do you see how this is, a, a connect, the land grab is connected to that? Yeah, because the land is the personal freedom. The land right. is the land is a, is the the real asset that people can own that allows them to grow their own food if they have to, right. uh, build their home and protect their home, and um, create an economic unit, something productive that they can produce and sell to support their families and help right. support the communities. So, if you take that away from the people, then you take away their independence. Their, their ability to be independent. So yes, it is absolutely, they have to get control of the hard assets, our land, uh, in order to control the people. And um, part of all of this other stuff is just hand in glove to make this happen. But again, it comes down to um, getting control of our land because that gets control of our economic freedom. And um, at an individual level, at a state level, uh, that's what that's what comes of that. So you know, there are a million of those agendas coming at us right now, but, <laughs> but if you focus in on what will stop it all, what right. are some of the key things that will stop it all? They know to control the people, to get all these things in place, they have to control the land. They have to control the real asset. And right. so that's why they're coming at us with 30 by 30 and Nax and all these other devices right now. Um, so it's, that's, that, to me, that's our fa- fighting ground. That is what we have to retain, and that will give us the strength to push back on all these other agendas. Yeah, I I totally agree. You had mentioned uh, that land trusts can be a a way that they can be enrolled in these NACs and possibly without the owner even knowing about it. Is there a way for people now that they're aware that that's possible? Are there things they can look for to ensure that that doesn't happen? Well, if they're in a conservation easement right now, if they already have one and it's in perpetuity, they're in a very tough spot because that's in perpetuity. They basically have sold that right in perpetuity to the land trust. So there have been some um, proposals at the federal level. Senator Kramer from Nebraska, uh, I'm sorry, North Dakota 
uh, a couple of years ago filed a bill which would allow, uh, would put in a buyback provision so that landowners who found themselves in those conservation easements, sometimes it's a second generation that yeah. realizes this was a really bad deal that my parents caught our family property into. Right. Um, and they want to they want to get out of it. He advanced the concept of a buyback provision, so landowners could get out of that. Um, but that would take you know some kind of legislative measure to make that happen. So right now, I don't know of anything on the books that would help people mm -hmm. to get out of these. Mm -hmm. um, it's signed in perpetuity, so you're but you're that, really stuck. So I would tell. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say anybody considering a conservation easement be very very discerning before you step into those. Yeah. And that sounds like something maybe to put some pressure on uh, state uh, and local uh, government to uh, institute a legislation to create a, a, the buyback like they did in North Dakota. Yeah. They didn't get that passed. And that okay. he actually filed that at the federal level, but oh, he did no. advance the concept. And I do think it's something that can be done at the state level. Yeah. Uh, that is something that I think stakes states can look at. They, I think states should look at doing, number one, creating a sunset on conservation easements. So putting a, making it a term, not in perpetuity. So maybe it's a 15-year term um, conservation easement. So that way the landowner, hey, if it's a great relationship and it's working great, they re-enroll, they re-sign, mm -hmm. you know, no harm. Uh, if they decide this isn't working for me, then they get out of it. And that I think is a sensible thing to do because we may have talked about this last time. There's also a moral issue here. When we're <laughs> in the one. grave, we have no right to tell the people living what they're going to do with their land. And that's yeah. what a conservation easement does. So, and in, in fact, there's this uh, concept in law that the dead hand can't control the future. It can't control the land. And um, the conservation easement in perpetuity violates that. In fact, it's the only device we know of that does violate that. So there's so many things wrong with the conservation easement and um, good reason for people to really look at them carefully before ever signing up for these. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that's encouraging that, yeah, the possibly something at the state level. I like the, the term limit on it, um, but mm -hmm. buying back also, because as you said, sometimes it's second generation or, you know, who, who knows what generation and they realize that they, they, have been put into something like that. And if they have the means to, uh, my only concern would be that uh, they need to have some sort of a honest kind of valuation for that buyback because uh, my, my, I can envision them making it so expensive with no real justification just so that people can't. They don't have yeah. You know, Senator Kramer's legislation uh, put, uh, required an appraisal by a state appraiser. So okay. it was it wasn't a federal appraiser. Okay. But somebody who was um who was certified by the state mm -hmm. to carry out that appraisal. So it gave it, it created a little more independence to set what that value would be, the buyback value would be, but that's a that's a very valid concern. And I think that his proposal definitely took it in the right direction. That's great. Is there any possibility? I know this seems uh uh I, just where we are already, but could there be any kind of a legislation where uh, this is the Landowner Easement Rights Act by Senator Kramer? Um, yep. So, is there, could they just locally say that there can be no value put on natural capital, like natural assets? 
could that is that something that could be um, you know, I think where we are stronger in fighting that argument yeah. is that what is there the, the whole premise that they are trying to create a new new right out of thin air. Right. I mean, so this is not something that qualifies as property. Right. It, it's so property. And I think we talked about this before. If you yeah. think about it in simplistic terms, it is something that you can exclude others from. So if you're going to be able to own something, that means you have the ownership rights, you control that. Well, right. you can't do that with clean air or pollinization or uh, photosynthesis or any of these ecosystem services they're trying to monetize. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't qualify as property. So one of the things that we have suggested is that the states could clarify that they all have a definition of what is real property in the state. And they could clarify that uh, these that natural processes, ecosystem services, ecological performance rights, all these terms that they are using, that they are not considered real property. Right. And that that then you're not talking about a value because you're not even giving them any you're just saying flat out they are not you're rejecting the premise yeah, yeah it's not exactly yeah right right at the, yeah. on the face of it um my you know I, where my head goes is that they're going you you said like you can't put a value on things like clean air you can't even uh, own clean air but what they can do is pollute the air um, and then they can uh, quote unquote sell you their version of clean air which might be something like you know uh, they want to poison the meat and then they will sell you fake meat or they tell you that salt is so bad for you, which is a lie that we know was uh, promulgated by, uh, you know, like sugar industries and big pharma, like, uh, you know, to to sell drugs and uh, they can make fake salt like Bill Gates has now done. And so that that's my concern is that that's a, another element, uh, a factor of where they want to go with this. Yeah, well, and they're already selling the carbon credits, so mm -hmm. that's kind of their their the the nose under the tent in that right. argument. So those would be the kind of things that you would want to, you know, can, really kind of stamp out. Can they get rid of? Can could there be a legislation to do away with carbon credits? Is that something sure. that could be okay? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, right now, those carbon credits are really a subsidy from the federal government. Yeah. And it's really they use it, you know, it, it all it all comes back to they've created a false narrative that we're in a climate crisis. Right. And then so they have created a false solution that we must be net zero and another false solution that we must decarbonize. And so and and with pushing the social agenda onto onto the private market, now they've created a situation where the way that productive industries can continue to operate and be within their sustainability requirements is if they still, if they still produce, but they pay for that use by buying carbon credits. So that's how, and so industry buys the carbon credits. And, um, and so they're kind of promulgating this whole fraud. And I had one person argue uh, saying, but it's a, you know, it's part of the free market. Isn't it their free market right to be able to buy carbon credits? And my response, response was, well, um, just because the blackmailers are using the free market system doesn't mean that it isn't still blackmail. Right. And, and that's really what it is. So, um, so I think those kind of things, we've got to get those things rooted out of our, 
of our society and um, out of our economics, because that's wreaking havoc um, on our economics as well. Yeah. And and it's also, uh, you know, we need you just because other uh, parts of the world may be uh, jumping headfirst into this uh, centralized world governance agenda doesn't mean that we need to. So we, we should have, these are ways that we can, you know, implement some sort of securities and protections for the flourishing of the, the people of the United States and uh, truly what it means to be American first, that that kind of uh, has been co-opted, that term, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, and, and that's not to be, uh, you know, egocentric, that is just to protect because ultimately there needs to be some sort of a, a, a safe zone for the free will of humanity. And I, I see if all these things go forth, there is none. So... Yeah. But I think it starts at the local level. You know, mm-hmm. I, I want, I think what's important for Americans to understand, and I, I and I, I try to reemphasize this every chance I get, we're not <laughs> going to beat the UN. We don't have any control over the UN. We're not going to no. beat the UN, no. but we can protect our home base. Yeah. The people can protect their community and it starts there. If all of us protect our community and we're doing that nationwide, it's going to be very hard for them to entrench this into our states. And then that's how we get it out of the federal system as well. But it always starts at home. And, um, and that's where we do have power. We have a lot of power at the local level. So just being aware, I mean, getting educated on what these tools are, which is exactly what, you know, you're doing today and helping your listeners understand how this gets implemented on the ground, what they can identify in their community and push back on. That in and of itself is going to start steamrolling a lot of these programs because I know, you know, I mean, I've, I've been so blessed to talk um, live to a lot of great audiences um, like yours where, you know, they're looking for solutions. They're, they're looking for things that they can do. And, you know, a month later, I'll hear about, hey, we had this conservation easement program going in. Not anymore. You know, and, um, you know, just seeing how people have pushed back on this once they learn what they can do at the local level. And so that's key because that's where all these things get implemented. So everyone that is listening has power here and can help to push back this beast. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that, that's the big, sorry, takeaway uh, from this uh, rule being uh, withdrawn because, yeah, it means that they, there was pushback and they, they heard it. So yeah, we, that, that's, uh, I think that is the big takeaway. So we keep going. Well, I, I thank you so much, really, just for sharing your time with us today, sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, all that you've learned. And uh, yeah, for empowering us with tools and things to look for and things to do. So if you have anything else you want to add uh, and impart, please do and uh, tell people where they can find you. No, I'll just tell you, um, thank you all for all of you who stepped into this battle and helped us. It's time to take a victory lap. This is this is a pretty important victory. And then let's just get back to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Do, do, not resting on the laurels here. We, we definitely right. need to keep going. So, But in our website is americanstewards.us. And um, there's a lot of good information up there. And we just keep, we'll be keep continuing to put stuff up there. I also recommend if you want to follow this battle and those that are related to property rights, do sign up for the newsletter. And that's where we really, we focus on, as you've, as you've probably come to know, we we kind of focus on the key 
issues that are really moving and, and are going to impact landowners. So uh, that's what our all of our publications do. So we try to keep you as apprised to what's going on as possible on those things most important to us now. I do have one other question. It just came to me. So a lot of people are starting to think about things like homesteading, like growing their own food, and they're looking for land. Do you have any uh, recommendations for people when they're looking for land, things to be on the lookout for, or ways to protect themselves and protect the property rights? So, of course, obviously, do not get involved with conservation right. easement. That's not, if you're looking to homestead and be independent, that's not <laughs> the way to go. Um, and, and stay out of the conservation mm -hmm. programs. And that's a lot of yeah. free money. And so it's very enticing, but stay out of them because they have a federal nexus is our recommendation. The other thing I would caution people is a lot of people like to buy a piece of land that is um, that bets up next to protected lands. So like a, a national wildlife refuge. Anytime you bump up against a protected land area, understand that their agenda is to expand their borders. So they, the part of the environmental movement is to create big ecosystem areas that are, have no human habitation. So where they already have land that's locked down and protected, they are looking to expand that. So you may be a private landowner on the border of a national park or a protected area or, you know, a wildlife refuge and think this is great because I have this whole, you know, natural expanse behind my house that I don't even have to do anything with. And, and I know it's not going to be developed, right. but just realize they will be knocking on your door to acquire your property, to have you enroll in their programs to where they can start getting control and possibly outright just uh, buy the property from you. You will always have that pressure. So, um, you know, if I'm looking for a piece of land, I want to be far away from that protected land. I would rather be in a community with, with farmers and ranchers who've been doing this for years, who their land has been passed down for generations. Uh, the people there understand the land. They are there to protect the land, to properly steward the land and produce good goods from the land, which is what the land was designed to do. And um, they're the kind of people I want to live around, uh, not not the federal agency protected lands or state lands or land trusts. I want to be around the real people who know how to handle yeah, land. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's great advice, actually, because, yeah, a lot of people do look to be near the the parks and uh, federally protected. Uh, it's a way also to just have more land that's not being used. You have, you know, neighbors are far mm -hmm. further away. and But, yeah, that's a really good point that I think a lot of people wouldn't have thought of. So, yeah. Well, thank you. And uh, all right. Welcome. Well, thank you all for watching and listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>